Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Okay, if I can just grab your attention again. Um, If you remember back um, before, uh, just at the beginning of April, or before April, we had, we decided that April would be a month of prayer, didn't we? Do you remember that? Yeah, one of two of us remember. Um, we decided that April would be a month of prayer where we would pray specifically for um, our venue, but but really specifically for the weekend away. Do you remember that now? We, we prayed that and, um, and we encouraged people to... to maybe to fast on the Thursday, and, and we were so gracious, it was like, just miss one meal, don't worry about the whole day, just miss a meal, and, and fast and pray, and um, and then on the final Sunday of the month, we kind of got together in the evening, and a few of us prayed, and, and God spoke, and, and uh, I think part of that was what helped us on our weekend away, and why, and they said we were you know, Angela was like, they were really quite ready for, they were up for this. That was kind of Angela's take on the church. And it was an encouraging thing to do. It wasn't, it didn't, it didn't ask any more of us. I mean, there was one evening where we met to pray and the rest of it was stuff that we might have been doing anyway. And, uh, and so I, I found that a really good thing to do for the church. Yeah, maybe you did. I, I found it a good thing to do. Um, and so... I want us to do this for June, where we're gonna we're gonna just give the month to pray, pray for some very specific things uh, in the church, and we're we're gonna encourage people on the Thursday, maybe just miss a meal, um, uh, to fast and to pray. On the Sunday, we'll also pray for those things, and then the last Sunday in June, we'll come together, um, probably just for an hour and a half in the evening, and just pray. And uh, there are three things I want us to pray for this month specifically and obviously there are lots of things to pray for all the time um, but these three things I want us to pray for specifically I I want us to pray for the young people I I want us to pray for young people to go to New Day Uh, what normally happens in church and I came from a big church where this happened and I was a young person myself in the church is churches take young people that are part of the church to weekends like New Day or weeks away like New Day and it transforms them. I, I, I know for myself, I was transformed by going to a Bible week when I was a teenager. Yeah? But it rarely did any young people that didn't go to church go to the Bible week. It was young people from the church. And in that sense, it was really easy because you just, you just got the kids and from the parents who were there and you arranged for them to go. Um, what we do is ever so slightly different. We, we don't bring lots of young people that go to the church to New Day, uh, we bring young people that often don't get to church to New Day. And therefore, that is a little bit more uh, complex, um, just in terms of relating to parents. But also, it's it's potentially transformative for them in, in a way that's very different even if you, go, if you go to church. So, I want us to be praying through June for young people uh, to sign up to come to New Day. And often it's literally a practical thing, just helping them get there. And we have a part to play in that. So I really want us to pray for that. Secondly, 
I want us to pray specifically through June for our new and our young family. Yeah, so Toby and Abby are just the baby, and Lisa had a baby, and Steve and Emma are expecting another baby. Babies, 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 babies. Yeah, um, and it, all of that is wonderful, but you need to know statistically out there in the world, and we're not following those statistics, but statistically out there in the world, the birth of a child puts upon a relationship some of the greatest strains that relationship will ever have. And so often it's at that moment that relationships break down. Yeah? How many people become single parents because in the context of trying to raise the child, it just doesn't work. And so some, someone leaves. So we're wanting to pray that the relationships remain strong and that we are able to support as best we can. Yeah, so I've, I've never thought to do that before, but I, I'm, Jen's idea, Jen's great, it's a good idea. But I do think it's a great idea that we should pray that month, particularly for our new and young families, that that adjustment that needs to be made from two to one, uh, two to three or four is, is made. And it's, a, it's even a bigger adjustment sometimes than getting married, because it, it just, it, I just know that, I can't explain all the reasoning. Um, but it is. So we're going to pray for them. And then the third thing I want us to pray for through this the month of June is our venue. Today it's fine. We, we don't have we don't need extra chairs and that kind of stuff. But some weeks we need extra chairs. Uh, many weeks we have issues with, uh, with the creche and the kids. When it's not raining, it's fine. When it's raining, we're in trouble, basically. Um, and so the venue is tight. And we need to pray that God provides us a way on that. On that. Um, also, it's worth letting you know that we have recently been served notice at our office where we meet. Uh, so we have an office at the Bricks down in central Brixton and uh, for various reasons they want to clear the whole of the sixth floor where our office is so we have to be out now by the middle of September. So we don't have an office, we won't have an office, we've got a place where we meet and it's a little bit tight uh, God, we need some. <laughs> we need some help here. Um, and remember, our main prayer, or my main prayer, my main heart. I recognise in the end we might have to do something different, but my heart is still that God would give us a place where we can do church. At the moment, we use six or seven different places each month just to do church. It would be great to have one place where we could do church. So I'm just bringing that for our prayers over the next month, and, and if God speaks into that, that would be wonderful, feel free to, to email me words or bring things that you think God is saying about that. So so that's what we can do over the next month. All it is is you're just thinking, oh, okay, we're praying, and the Thursdays particularly, each Sunday when we pray, we might refer to one or two of those things as well. Is that okay? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so we have been... Um, focused on um, talking about the the gift of the Holy Spirit off the back of our weekend away. Uh, we, we came away, or I came away, you know, really sort of thinking the foundations are laid here. We're going to focus on the gifts and we're going to focus on the groups. And those are the two things that we've been doing. And this week I visited a couple of our groups and, it, and that was just so encouraging. It was so encouraging to go uh, to groups in the week. And 
today I've asked just a couple of our group leaders just to come and share a little bit about what's been going on in their groups as they've been focused on um, this thing of the distant spirit. So, so Pete and Emma, and I may not realise she's doing that, but are going to come and just share a little bit about what's happening in their groups and what's happening for them. Okay. Um, so we meet on a Thursday um, in Tulls Hill in our house, and uh, I guess for the last sort of four weeks or so, three or four weeks, we've been, uh, as I said, looking at gifts of the um, Holy Spirit and the different passages in, in the Bible that talk of, of those gifts. I've, we found it, or I found it really encouraging just how much enthusiasm has been um, in our group. Um, there's a curiosity asking one another, what's it like to experience that kind of gifting? Um, even like really, we might never even ask the question, what is it like to speak in tongues? What does it actually feel like? What does it not feel like? For people who've not had that gifting before, it's, it can be kind of almost you know, hard to imagine it. So there's been a real honesty and openness and enthusiasm about the gift of the Spirit and understanding what it is that God wants to do through us and why he works through us in these different ways. Um, there's been a lot of asking each other, how's it gone last week? Who's hope that we want to grow in using the gifts of the Spirit. And there's been opportunities week after week to say, well, how was it last week? And try and not just think of it as a sort of a general thing, but actually what happened in the last seven days? Where did God work through you in the last seven days? And the stories we've been getting from each other have been, yeah, again, really encouraging. So it feels like there's a sort of growing together in this, um, and enthusiasm for it has been really exciting. Um, yeah, so we've been doing um, uh, spiritual gifts for probably possibly a little bit longer, so a couple of weeks before the weekend away. Um, and again, just to reiterate what Pete was saying, we've, it's just been so good. I would totally encourage anyone who's not in a, a home group to uh, really think about it and come and join, because I think it's just a time of really coming together and um, just moving out and stepping out a bit more than perhaps you get the opportunity to do on a Sunday. Um, so we've been doing gifts and... Um, two weeks ago we did we basically wrote down everyone's names we did the whole wrote the whole list of the gifts down and then we um, wrote down the gifts that we thought that we had and the ones that we wanted and then we switched, switched those pieces of paper around so that everybody could then write what they thought that person's gifts were um, and I think that was a really encouraging time for us where I think some of us weren't were really surprised at the gifts that other people noticed in us um, other people just kind of felt that they hadn't been operating in them before, but were in, at least in this church, and then were really surprised that they'd been picked up by other people. Um, I think, it, yeah, so I think it was just really good. Other people identified gifts in them that they didn't even think that they had or were, were gifts that they thought that they wanted, and then they were really surprised that actually people already thought they were operating in them. Um, and I think that just that whole amount of, like, level of encouragement that gave, and just then the confidence to step out in that too, um, so then last week we had we split into two groups because there was 10 of us and um, we just prayed for each other in terms of um, after we chose one gift that we really wanted, we either wanted or just wanted to operate more in um, and just prayed over each person. Um, and again, it was just such a powerful time and I was just so impressed and I'm totally naming and shaming them, but um, James and Catherine just totally blew me away and I think blew all our group away. Um, I think uh, we were praying for Catherine, and I kind of must have kicked James to like, you know, pray for her, pray for Catherine. So he started praying out, and he prayed for basically everybody in the group. And I think every word that he gave was just 
has really spoke to us and has really stuck with, with us and certainly with me during this week. Um, and the same for Catherine as well. And I think just creating a safe place where you can just dare to try something and to experiment, and even if you don't, if you get it wrong or it doesn't make any sense, um, just that ability in home group is just fantastic. And um, yeah, we've been so blessed by it. And again, what it means to just step out and obviously not just use it for ourselves, but then what it looks like um, just out in the world and in our workplaces and our other environments that we're in. So that's great. Oh, um, so on that, getting heavy. Um, so then um, I think we, I've just been praying a little bit in terms of like just stepping out. I think certainly in um, the weekend away, I was really challenged by um, what Angela was saying. And just in my personal experience anyway, I've just been really stagnant in the gifts and have felt that probably about five years ago, I was operating much more in the gifts than um, I am now. Um, so I just felt really challenged by that. And again, just that the gifts are outward looking, that we're really meant to just be using them outwards. And um, so I prayed a bit um, and just kind of thought, okay, Lord, I'm just going to like pray and think about my workplace and is there somebody that I can speak to. Um, and then I had this word for one of the senior directors who I don't really have much contact with. And I was like, oh, Lord, really? Um, but in the end, I kind of thought the best way of going about doing this was just to write her a little card. Um, and I left it on her chair and then she came to find me afterwards again, was really blown away and just said, um, and I was really surprised actually because she's very senior in the organization, she's on the exec, and um, was basically telling me about this management issue that she had with another senior director and one of the other directors. And um, one of the bits of the word that I gave, it was a very encouraging one, but certainly one of the bits of that word was about um, just making sure that there was no slander on her lips and the fact that if she did that, then that would lead um, others, her to be elevated in the organization and that other people would watch her and be amazed. Um, so I think that was the way that I wrote it. And she said that that particular word, which I was most afraid about writing, um, she, that really spoke to her because this whole management issue was about how this, these two were just not really um, like working well together at all. And obviously the danger of just talking behind people's back and slandering was the key thing for her. Um, so yes, yeah, so that was really good. And the only other thing is that we, Thierry and I pray a lot in terms of you know how we can support other people and like our finances in particular and we had two particular people a couple of people that we just really felt we should kind of um bless financially as well so we gave a little bit of money so it's nothing at all substantial but i suppose it's just praying for god to create opportunities i suppose to bless people either for the word or for finances or whatever we can give um, and again the response that we had was just really quite positive um in addressing needs of those people in a particular way that they'd actually been praying for at the time. Um, anyway, talk to you more. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> it's okay to forget your children when they're with someone else you can trust. Don't forget them at other times. <laughs> Okay, so so really that was just a, a very brief, I'm sure we'll have other updates, but, but particularly that's very encouraging what Emily shared about work, using the, the gifts at work and, and finding ways to, uh, to speak into that. And, and I just believe that God wants us to do that. You remember what, what I say most weeks in relation to this, it's for us to grow very comfortable and very familiar with using the gifts both inside and outside the church, that we're very clear about their purpose and also about 
the environment in which they, they, they operate and the conditions under which they flourish. And it's probably that that this particular next passage speaks to. So I'm just going to read a few verses from 1 Peter chapter 4. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, your Holy Spirit and its presence with us. We thank you for its increasing uh, manifesting in our lives and our daily lives and in our groups. And Father, it's our prayer and it's my prayer that this would be an ongoing work of grace to this church, an increasing understanding and an increasing operation in the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the benefit of the church and the world around us. So Father, I pray that in what I have to say today, you will speak to us, that we will be open uh, to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. This passage actually only mentions a couple of gifts, um, but it is much clearer than maybe some of the other passages about the environment that the gifts operate in and the motivation for using those gifts. And uh, Peter, you find, so the Apostle Peter, the Apostle, the Apostle Paul, uh, has a probably a slightly different slant on the way things work than Paul does, and this is what we pick up here. So here, he puts the gifts and the working of the gifts right in this, in the sort of the paradigm of the end times, the, the end times. Now, we don't think about, oh, well, I don't, you may do, I don't think about the end times very often. I, I, I don't, sometimes we don't even think about the next hour very often, let alone the end times, and let alone being motivated by the fact that, that, that this world is coming to an end. Uh, but as Christians, if you're a Christian, Kind of, that's what you probably believe, even if you haven't yet thought about it for a while. You probably believe that there's some day that Jesus is going to come back. And that when we sing in that song about every knee will bow before him, that that is a biblical truth. That's not just, oh, that's a good line, every knee will bow before him. No, there is a belief that we hold as Christians that one day Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, the whole world will see that he is Lord and that the whole world will bow the knee to him whether that is out of choice or not choice. Whether it is something that they are forced to do or something that they willingly do, the whole world will bow the knee 
to Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches. And that when he comes back, it's almost like everyone will recognize Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And when he comes back, he's coming back to judge the world. God will judge the world. Now, it's helpful to know that God judges the world in the context of God is full of grace. God is kind and God is just. And when those judgments come, no one will say God is unfair. It will be really obvious God is just. God has done what is right and just. And I'm sure that's how it will be at the end, that, that we won't be able to hide behind, oh no, we don't think God is fair, I want to have a word with God. There'll be none of this bigging ourselves up that we do, because when we eventually meet God, it will be, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We were thinking it was all like this. Suddenly, we recognise. So, for Peter, even though he lived 2,000 years ago, the very early days of the church, Jesus hadn't been gone very long, they're living with this understanding that Jesus is going to come back. Yeah? And, and it motivated and affected what they did. Jesus is coming back. It motivates them. It affects them. And so it should us. It should influence everything. It influences how we think about sickness, how we think about death. It should influence everything. At the one level, obviously, we want sick people to be made well. Yeah, we want sick people to be made well. But if you're a Christian, you know that if people die, that isn't the end. You must understand that. The world lives on the basis that this is it. Therefore, I will do everything I can to keep people alive because I don't know what happens after that. But for the Christian, that's not the case. I met with Phil yesterday. You know, Phil, he's away this week. He's, he's, he's going on holiday. But his mum has been very unwell. Yeah. And uh, she's 81. And last week, uh, they saw the consultant, him and his dad, they saw the consultant. He said, to be honest, we thought we knew what was wrong with her, but now we don't. What we thought was wrong isn't wrong. And now we don't really know what's wrong with her. Pauline and I visited her on Friday because we know her very well. And she's, she's not well. Yeah, I can't tell you what's wrong. She's in a bed and there's tubes everywhere and there's people wandering around. Um, and I was with Phil yesterday talking about it. And whilst on one hand, there is that sense of, well, just this new paradigm, mum's ill. She's never been ill like this before. Sadness. There is that. But you know what? There is also in him and in his dad, this sense of peace. Death is not the end. Yeah. And what you believe about death really influences you when you face death. Yeah. What you really believe about death. I remember when my mum died and, and she was 61. She was 20 years younger. And we were, Pauline was pregnant with Rihanna. And I remember being um, in, at her bedside because she died at home and reading Psalm 91. And, and one of the biggest comforts for me was mum's going to heaven. It was a comfort. It wasn't just a, a sort of a psychological help. It was a comfort. And I'll see her again. She's going to be with the... With, with her saviour, who she has served faithfully for many, many, many years. For the Christian, death is not the end. Therefore, you don't spend every little hour of your life trying to preserve life. As much as we want to preserve life, that is not the whole thing. Because in the end, there's going to come a point when God comes. Either I will die or Jesus will return. 
And Paul, Peter here, talks about the end times as one of the motivations for this. So that's what he says. And in the light of these being the last days, these end times. Now, he was talking about it then, you know, a few years after Jesus' death. 2,000 years later, Jesus still hasn't returned. And so you realise to God's timings on that, it's not right for us. Yeah, we need to get, get that one. Otherwise, we might think to ourselves, things are going to happen now. And God's like, they'll happen when I want them to happen. And we're not God. And so what he says is this. Because these are the last days, because these are the end times, we should, firstly, be alert and sober-minded so you can pray. Yeah, that's the first thing he tells us to do. Be alert, sober-minded, so you can pray. There are two types of prayers. The first type of prayer is the kind of prayer that people pray when they don't yet know God. Um, if you remember when Nick gave his testimony a couple of weeks ago, there came a moment in his life, and he summarised it like this, when it was like, God, now's your time. If you're there, this is the moment to come onto the stage. This is the moment. Yeah? And lots and lots of people go through that kind of prayer, don't they? God, if you're there, show me. They get to that moment where they're wondering what is going on. And people pray that kind of prayer. Yeah? That prayer of, there's no knowledge there, there's no even faith there. It's just a prayer. And God often, so many times, responds to that prayer. But for the believer, when you pray, it is different. Yeah? You've had that experience. You've come to know Jesus. And now he is expecting something different of you. And Peter says, as Christians, we need to be alert. We need to be watchful. We need to be thoughtful. We need to be mindful. We need to be sober-minded so we can pray. Now, please, that, that doesn't mean that you can be joyless. Yeah, and I mean, I, that's probably more my problem. Yeah. Joylessness is not, I'm not talking about, okay, be sober-minded. But it does mean that you are thoughtful about stuff. You don't live without thinking. We don't live careless lives. We don't live thoughtless lives. We're thoughtful. We're sober-minded. Why? So we can pray. Ephesians 6 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Yeah? And you'll know that that passage in Ephesians 6, that that verse comes at the end of, is the passage about uh, the armour of God. We're in a battle. Yeah? If we were in the Second World War, and I don't know how many of us, some of you are more resilient, I wouldn't survive very well. Yeah, I wouldn't. I know I wouldn't. I would want to, I, I don't know what I would do. I would be a defector and not realise I defected. I would do something just to avoid the, the battle. Some of you are very resilient people. If we were in the Second World War, we wouldn't be skipping down the road and just hanging out and doing our stuff. We'd be in a battle. If we were in the battleground, we'd be in a battle. We would have to be alert. We'd have to be sober-minded. We'd have to be thinking and watching all the time. That was how it was. So the films tell me. I've never been there personally. But we need to be alert and sober-minded. Secondly, in the light of the last days and the end times, love each other deeply. Love each other as a, as a leader of a church and been involved in leadership in church for a long time, I've had conversations with other leaders and people say often say this, would you rather be loved or respected? 
And uh, I, you know, I'm, I've got leader friends who say, well, do you know what? I'd rather be respected. I'd rather be respected. And it's easy to say that if you're not loved. Yeah. It would be easy to say, well, I'd rather be respected. Um, but when I read this passage, I realized that whatever else you are, you want to be loved. Why do you want to be loved? Because love covers stuff. Not because love is a warm feeling that people give you where you become popular and people like you. It covers stuff. Respect doesn't cover stuff in the same way. What love does is it covers a multitude of things. If you love someone, you're not questioning motives every two minutes. If you love someone, the misunderstandings are less. If you love someone, the acceptance is higher. If you love someone, forgiveness is on your lips. If you love someone, yeah? It might not be that you say every two minutes, I'm sorry, forgive me. You might not go around doing that. But if you love someone, you work hard at that stuff. If you love someone, love covers a multitude of sins. If you don't love someone but you respect them, you could, you could misunderstand a lot. You could be cynical about stuff. You could stand back and watch and observe and wait and wonder. But if you love them, you don't do that. If you love them, you're in. You're like, oh, come on, let me help. If you love them, you accept things. Love covers your sin. Love allows the mistakes. It gives you a second chance. And what Peter is saying is because the the end is near. Love each other deeply. He's talking to the church. He's not, it's not just love, he's talking to the world everywhere. He's talking to the church. Love each other deeply. Make love a clear focus in your relationships. It's a decision of the heart. And when you do it, two other very great values come to the surface. When you make love the focus, two other things come to the surface. Firstly, as I've said, you learn to forgive. When you love someone, you learn to forgive. Because life will bring up stuff that requires forgiveness. So if you really love someone, you will learn to forgive. Because that is the only way relationships keep going, is that there is an ongoing thing of forgiveness and, and saying sorry. But... I'm not talking about the words, I'm just talking about the reality of forgiving, the reality. The other thing that comes up deeply when you love someone is you learn about grace. Because you learn what it is to be accepted. Yeah? Nobody's perfect. You can say that a number of ways. Yeah? I can say nobody's perfect. Which is really defensive. And it's like saying, well, who, you know, you could, you know uh, uh, we've all got faults. So I don't allow my thoughts to be, to be dealt with. I just reckon like, we've all got thoughts. Or I can say nobody's perfect. And that allows me to accept people even with their thoughts. So love allows for these two great values to exist. Forgiveness and grace. And I've got to say, I've got to be honest, in, in just in my own marriage, I think, and I've said this before, I haven't said it for a while, marriage is one of the places... I've, that I've, I've had grace administered to me more than anywhere else in my marriage. Yeah? Pauline's had to accept me. <laughs> She's not had any choice on that. 
because I couldn't do anything else. I could only be who I was. And so, so those things become really, really important in terms of, in terms of it's the end times. We're, we're working on the gifts of the Spirit. Love becomes a really important aspect of that. Prayer is obviously a really important aspect of that. Then it says, offer hospitality without grumbling. And you'll know I've talked about the reality of, of gifts that people have and they operate in and that God gives them grace for. Yeah? So the thing about this one, offer hospitality without grumbling, is not so you can look at your partner or whoever and say, yeah, you know, it's there in the Bible, offer hospitality without grumbling. If God gives you grace for it, hallelujah. Yeah? But don't, don't, don't force it. Yeah? If there is not grace for that right now, don't force it. When we first got married, hospitality was a nightmare for us. Yeah? Because I came from a background, as you know, where my mum could have ten people round that day and she would not bat an eyelid with Pauline's parents. If I was going for dinner, she normally has to know the lunchtime the day before in order that everything could be prepared. So when we got together, I'm pulling people in. Pauline's like, oh, I can't cope. Yeah? So we had a period of time where we had to grow in grace for hospitality so it didn't get to grumbling, because when it gets to grumbling, out of grumbling comes resentment, and you don't want that. Better not to be hospitable and do it grumbling with the resentment than to try and be. That's what I would say. And so that you and you need to both agree, you need to both go, actually, is this where we're at or is this not where we're at? And that resentment, you need to hold that both ways. So I can't resent if we do it, um, and Pawnee can't resent if we don't do it. If we're not, we both need to get to that place where we agree. This is how we can do it. So offer it without grumbling. The next one, and we've talked about this before, serving others with your gifts. Your gifts there are to serve others. Here, it's in the context of the end times. We're motivated by the fact that Jesus is coming again. So we'll use our gifts to serve others. That's what we'll use them for. We won't use them to serve ourselves. We won't use them to make myself look good. Yeah? I won't use it to make you like me. I won't use it to gain something. I'll use it to serve others. That's where the humility comes from. And then it talks about speaking as though it were God speaking and serving with his strength. And that's like, when you're going to speak on behalf of God, or you're going to share something, again, if God's speaking, you're going to be thoughtful and reverent and, and wise about that. You're not going to be careless and thoughtless. That's what we need to do. And serve with the strength that he provides, not with your own strength. That's the only way to stay on the rotor. Serve with the strength that he provides rather than your own strength. I was thinking about this. And not long ago, I read a book. So I'm just coming, it's really going to land this. I read a book called Obliquity. Obliquity. Um, and the idea of the book was, which I think is relevant here, was it's how do I achieve my goals and dreams and objectives without aiming for them directly? Yeah? So I want to I wanna get lots of money. How do I do that? I, I can try and set up a business that's going to get me money. Or I want a big church. How do I do that? I want the 10 ways to get lots of money, the 10 ways to go to church. All those kinds of things you can do. But in this book, Obliquity, it was saying that most Goals are achieved 
when you don't aim for that. Yeah? So hear me out. Because some of you are thinking, I mean, you're already not very clear. So what on earth are you talking about? But this is what um, Jim Collins in the book Built to Last says. Visionary companies pursue a cluster of objectives of which making money is only one and not necessarily the primary one. Yes, they seek profit, but they're equally guided by a core ideology, core values and sense of purpose beyond just making money. Yet, paradoxically, the visionary companies make more money than the purely profit-driven ones. So when you have a goal, and, and, and a really, really good example of that would be Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook. Yeah? He did not set out to become one of the richest men in the world. Yeah? He set out to bring together a social platform that would enable people to relate. That's what he set out to do. In doing that, he has become one of the richest men in the world. I mean, he's what? He's not even 35, and he's a multi-billionaire. Yeah? No one sets out to become a multi-billionaire and probably achieves it. Yeah? So he achieved this thing that so many people go for, money. He achieved that thing by aiming for this thing. Yeah? You could say the same for Henry Ford, who, who, who is credited with the first motor car. Henry Ford was not into trying to make money. He wasn't even into making cars that went really fast. What he was into was making what Ford eventually did, which is like a family car that lots of people would want. That's what he was into, and that it would be affordably priced. He aimed for this. Now, Henry Ford said, it's my favorite quote, one of my favorite quotes. He said, if I asked people what they wanted back then, they'd have asked for a faster horse. They wouldn't have asked for a car. They didn't know about cars. Yeah? His aim was this. And as a result of that, he, he ends up hitting this. He changed the way transport happens. Yeah? So, so there is some truth in that approach. I have found personally, just for me personally, I have achieved more of what God has wanted me to achieve, and I'm not being funny, by focusing on Pauline and focusing on my girl. Now, that's what I, I wouldn't have realised that. But I gave more of my time to focusing there and as a result of that, I achieved this. It wasn't like I had deliberately thought, well, actually, how do I get... No, by focusing on this, I achieved that. So, for us as a church, because I think the gospel is full of obliquity. The gospel is full of the fact that God seems to achieve his purposes and plans completely in opposite ways that we would imagine. Yeah? yeah. You would not have thought that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, would come as a servant. So how did God achieve a world in which people loved him? Because he came and died for them. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't actually add up. Those, those two things don't, you wouldn't say, oh, if you want to achieve this, you do this. In the Christian life, Leadership is about serving. The way you do things matters. The goal in and of itself is not the thing. If we made our goal, we want to reach a we want to reach a hundred people. And if we reached a hundred people, but all of you are knackered and you hated one another, that is not the goal. Yeah? That would be like, well, but I I could I could say, well, that was our goal. Sometimes you've got to you've got to sacrifice. You've got to just get in there. 
And you'll be like, I mean, I'm surely that can't be it. Yeah? The goal is not about, there are other things that matter. And this passage gives us some of those other things. It tells us that the key to Christian relationships is that we would love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over stuff. And why is that so important? Because we're all human. We're all sinful. Stuff comes up. Yeah? If you do not have love there, you will have something else. It will be resentment. It will be bitterness. We'll withdraw. We'll get hurt. We'll, we'll do all sorts of things. Hence, people go to church. They come away from church. They get hurt by church. All that kind of stuff. Why? Because we never get to the point where we love each other deeply. Because when you do, love covers stuff. It covers stuff. It's almost like I expect something different in church than I would expect in my marriage. And at one level, of course I do. Yeah? But I work at my marriage in terms of love. Yeah? Because I love Pauline. Yeah? I love my girl. Do I love the church enough to work at that? Am I willing for the church to, um, to cover the church when the church doesn't when the church doesn't fit my needs, when the church doesn't quite become all that I want it to be, do I love it enough? Do I love it enough? Or, or will I divorce the church in a moment? Oh, you do that, I'm off. Yeah, I don't do that to Pauline. I mean, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? If, if, if at the first sign of an argument, everyone left their partners, we'd all be single. Yeah? And we'd have all married again and been single again. And, been, and then we'd think, oh, what's going on? I can't seem to last a day. Yeah? Because love covers stuff. In church, love must cover stuff. The church is not going to be what you want it to be. And, and you know, in, in God's timing, it could be years before it's all that we want it to be. But do we then go, well, I'll just live a disappointed life? Or do I go, well, I'll just go and find a church that is going to be all I want it to be? Or do I learn this lesson, love each other deeply, because love covers stuff. It covers over multitudes. And so in the context of us building a church that focuses on the groups, focuses on the gifts, we've got to focus on love. Yeah? And love brings up those two wonderful qualities of grace and forgiveness. And you need them both. You need them both in marriage, in bucket loads. And you need them in the church, in bucket loads. Yeah? And as we focus on those things, who knows how much of all that we desire to achieve we will achieve because God does everything else. God does everything else. So we're in a season, aren't we, where we're focusing on the gifts and on our groups that we might excel in the gifts but also that we might excel in love, that we might create an environment where the gifts flourish, that we might learn to accept the church for what it is, not for what we want it to be, or what we're trying to make it to be. Just accept it for what it is. Yeah, That was a decision that Paulie and I made very early on in our marriage. There was this acceptance. I would just accept. And you know what that did? That saved a whole load of arguing. <laughs> Yeah, that saved a whole load of disappointment because I just accepted this is what it is. I've sent my lot in here. This is what it is. 
And then, over time, it has become more than what I ever could have dreamed of. Better than I ever would have thought. But I didn't focus on that. And we are not to focus on that when it comes to the church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, your word. Uh, I thank you so much for this passage that, that Peter writes that love covers a multitude of sins. That love allows for grace. Love allows for forgiveness. And Father, it's my prayer that as we continue to focus ourselves on on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and and they're working in our own lives and they're working in our groups and they're working in our church and they're working in the world outside, that, Father, we would also focus on what it takes to build an environment where they flourish. And that's an environment of love. That's an environment where we pray. That's an environment where we we remind ourselves the end is near. The end is near. That we are motivated to serve because we recognize that these days are coming to an end. That this is not all it is. It's not simply about life, that there is death and then there is more. And so, Father, I pray for us. I I pray for any here, God, who may be in their hearts right now, they don't love the church. Maybe they'd be happy to divorce the church, to move on from the church. The church has failed them. Lord, I pray that you would fill hearts this morning with your love for the church. Just as you love the church, we would learn to love the church. And that we would allow that love to cover stuff. To cover its mistakes. To cover its insecurities and its inadequacies. All the things that isn't. That we would accept. Knowing, God, that ultimately you will bring about your purposes. And that this could become all more, much more than we ever would have thought of doing. By us focusing on that. So I ask for that. I pray for us this week as we gather in our groups, different places, different times. Holy Spirit, be present we are in every one of those gatherings. Continue to equip and inspire and encourage us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.